At this year's Oscars, Oppenheimer took home the award for Best Picture, Emma Stone and Robert Downey Jr. also picked up wins, and Ryan Gosling brought the Kennergy. For a recap of all the highlights, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. In order for Ukrainian fighters to fend off Russian forces, they of course need lots of weapons, and many of them are being supplied by the West. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky says Russia is attempting to stop his troops from getting those weapons by targeting critical infrastructure targets, including electrical power facilities and transportation hubs like railroads. But the Pentagon says it's not working. Pentagon spokesman John Kirby said the U.S. is still able to flow weapons systems and other materials into the region, and those shipments have been happening nearly every day. The U.S. and its NATO allies fly military equipment to Eastern Europe, where it's trucked into Ukraine. Billions of dollars worth of drones, armored vehicles, howitzers, shoulder-fired missiles, even helicopters and tanks. And more is on the way to help give the Ukrainian military an edge as it continues to fight Russian forces. Some of that equipment will fly out of Dover Air Force Base in Delaware. NPR's Pentagon correspondent Tom Bowman went there and has this report. The warehouse squats on a remote edge of the base behind a chain-link fence. Inside, it's all bustle. Front-end loaders dart about, lifting up pallets of howitzer rounds. They look like massive green bullets. Each one weighs 90 pounds. As fast as we can push it. Airmen tie down the pallets with thick nylon straps so the shells don't shift when they're heading across the Atlantic. Technical Sergeant Dan Romain records it all in a clipboard. Today's load will total some 1,300 shells, just a small amount of the 190,000 rounds promised for Ukraine. Uh, Last month, we've moved a lot of the Stinger and the Javelin missiles. I think it was something like uh, 800 Javelins or so. 800 of the tens of thousands of shoulder-fired missiles the U.S. and NATO are sending over. They all work 12-hour shifts round the clock. Pallets come in and quickly go out on a waiting aircraft. There are three flights each day bound for an airbase in eastern Poland. There's an address sticker on the pallet, a military district in western Ukraine, right down to the street address. The Ukrainian military has been desperate for the howitzers and the shells to help push back the Russian forces. Senior airman Jordan Duquette tugs on the nylon straps. It gets very repetitive, but I think with that, um, we can get the process down very smoothly. He reflects on the horrific videos from Ukraine, the loss of life, the destruction, desperate people on the move. I think it's very heartbreaking that people are, have to go through that. People are being displaced from their homes. Moving shells and missiles at a warehouse might not be the stuff of war movies, but Sergeant Romain says it's his warehouse in the daily flights of armaments that could be a deciding factor in the Ukraine war. Logistics is, will make or break the war. Logistics is going to get it there and it's going to sustain it. The C-17 has just landed. It came from McGuire Air Force Base in New Jersey. And we can see the pallets out there. Pallets loaded as the pilot, Air Force Captain Jonathan Solander, completes his flight check in the cockpit. Nine hours from now, he'll touch down in Poland. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. He's about to turn 28. And some people have gone their entire careers not actually doing missions that matter. So here I am, you know. Last summer, he flew four missions from Kabul, Afghanistan, rescuing hundreds of refugees. They were crammed elbow to elbow in the vast cargo bay. He remembers what happened as a plane rose off the runway. As soon as like, they were able to get the wheel lift off feeling, they were cheering and excited. 
Now his plane is stuffed with 18 pallets of howitzer shells. It's his first mission to Poland. He says it likely won't be his last. Tom Bowman, NPR News, Dover Air Force Base, Delaware. We wanted to know more about this enormous and complex operation. The U.S. has moved millions of pounds of material to Ukraine. According to the military, it's the biggest operation since the Berlin airlift in the late 1940s. So we talked to the person in charge of shipping all those heavy weapons to Ukraine. The head of the U.S. Transportation Command, or TRANSCOM, is General Jacqueline Van Ovost. She's one of only two female four-star generals in the Department of Defense right now. She spoke to me from the National Defense University here in D.C. Essentially what we are is a global transportation company. We have about 130,000 sailors, airmen, marines, uh, guardians, and civilians, along with our commercial partners, that provide global transportation services. So now as I look to how we do this for Ukraine— and providing security assistance, and as well as providing assurance and deterrence for the NATO nations, we mobilize here in the United States, and we bring forward our soldiers, we bring forward um, our equipment to help assure and deter, and we have been brought millions of pounds, so far about 45 million pounds of aid to Ukraine to assist them. Is that all weaponry? The 45 million pounds? Uh, no, it's a combination of lethal and non-lethal aid. Mm-hmm. Now, you've had to move a lot of aid quickly. Were there any specific obstacles or challenges you had to get past to move it quicker than usual? Our ability to move within days or even hours of the first request is because we so carefully collaborate and plan with U.S. European Command, who is in complete touch with Ukrainians to understand what their needs are and and with NATO, uh, all the way through to where our sources of supply are. So, for example, with the non-standard ammunition, ammunition that uh, we don't uh, actually have in our our stocks, where is that? And, you know, who's offering it and how are we going to get it there? And we have to work together with our allies and partners. You know, we've had over 30 nations participate. And so how do we best orchestrate that large dance across the globe? Now, you mentioned that you also work with private companies, commercial airlines, commercial shipping, that partner with the U.S. military to transport these weapons. How big of a role do private companies play? In what we do around the world, we are inextricably linked to our commercial partners. When we first started providing aid to Ukraine, uh, lethal aid on 21 January, it was what I call a whitetail or one of our commercial assets that was landing in Kiev before the invasion and beginning to supply them with that lethal aid. I want to talk about cybersecurity. It's something you have spoken about a lot. When you testified before a House subcommittee in March, you said cybersecurity is a major concern of yours because private companies, unlike the military, communicate in an unclassified environment. So right now, with heightened concern around possible cyber attacks from Russia, is it risky for the U.S. to partner with private companies to transport weapons? As you know, I am concerned about cyber defense, um, both from a a Department of Defense standpoint and from our commercial partners because we rely on them and their networks. But I tell you, talking to the C-suite leaders, they are very focused themselves on ensuring that they are a hard target. We've been partnering with our commercial partners to help them understand the threats 
and ways to mitigate those threats a little more. How unprecedented is this moment in the sense of the speed and level of aid, especially lethal aid, that you're moving? Well, you know, so I've been in the, in the military 33 years, and I've seen nothing like it. Uh, our ability to support another nation at this level is really, it's unprecedented. It shows, though, uh, how when American leadership and NATO leadership come together, uh, that we can move out and meet the promises, uh, whether it's uh, deterring uh, Russia from uh, from attacking a NATO nation to supporting Ukraine in their defense of their nation and their humanitarian needs, uh, that we will be there delivering. You are part of a transportation pipeline that is moving a huge amount of weaponry. Do you have any concerns that it could wind up in the wrong hands? Well, certainly any of the equipment we move around to our, our allies and partners around the world, um, there is always a chance that some equipment will not be used in the way that we had intended or that, that it gets taken uh, by another party. Uh, we have safeguards in place uh, with respect to different types of equipment. But you know what? What I think about is the rationale for what we're doing right now with the equipment that we're giving them and the support that we're giving them, you know, that's what we want to focus on. Uh, because uh, we calculate those losses uh, when, when we make these decisions and when the president makes these decisions, and it's our job to get out there and execute. And every capability and, frankly, every piece of aid that I can give each Ukrainian is important. I know I, I can't let you go without speaking to you about the fact that you are one of two women who are four-star generals in the Department of Defense. I mean, what is that like to be one of two in 2022? <laughs> you know, I never wanted to be one of two, uh, um, but it's better than one of one, which is where I started. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, uh, what an honor it is uh, to command the men and women of U.S. Transportation Command. And, uh, you know, I've had great opportunities uh, throughout my life. And I say to folks, if you marry up your passion and your talent, you won't work a day in your life. Everything you do will be rewarding and the system will reward you, right? And so I've had great opportunities that I've been able to capitalize on. And here I am sitting at the pinnacle of leadership, leading the men and women of Transportation Command uh, and having taken part of both Operation Allies Refuge and now this just this groundbreaking work um, with Ukraine and NATO I just couldn't be prouder of what we do at Transportation Command and of of the United States for the leadership role that we've played. But it couldn't have been easy coming up, I mean, a little bit lonely, right? Yeah. I mean, one of two, and yeah. like you said, one of one at one point. You can't be what you can't see. When you look up and you don't see someone that looks like you, it's very hard to think that you could actually do that, right? But I tell you, we just need to show out there that, you know, people, they can do it, right? Just because you don't see someone up there, that looks like you doesn't mean you can't do it. General Jacqueline Von Ovos, thank you so much for speaking with us. Thanks, Layla. This message comes from NPR sponsor, ShipBob. E-commerce logistics making you question why you started your business? Time to outsource fulfillment to the experts over at ShipBob. Get a free quote at shipbob.com. ShipBob. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Stearns & Foster. Every Stearns & Foster mattress is handcrafted for irresistible comfort with indulgent memory foam and ultra-conforming IntelliCoils for your most comfortable sleep. Learn more at StearnsAndFoster.com. How does AI even work? Where does creativity come from? What's the secret to living longer? 
TED Radio Hour explores the biggest questions with some of the world's greatest thinkers. They will surprise, challenge, and even change you. Listen to NPR's TED Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts.